The time is now. Volume 4, Episode 69. This is Employment Law Now, and I am Mike Schmidt, your host. I hope all of you out there continue to stay safe and well. The good news is that so many industries are starting to really think about reopening in a post-quarantine world and trying to figure out really what that will look like for employees, for clients and customers. So I wanted to give you some uh, insight, some thoughts specifically from one of the industries at the forefront of all of this planning. Today, we'll look at the retail industry. Okay, so I am here with Jason Brewer, who is the Executive Vice President of Communications and State Affairs for the Retail Industry Leaders Association, also referred to as RILA, R-I-L-A. Um, in addition to managing the organization's strategic communications efforts, Jason works very closely uh, with the organization's partners at the state level to ensure retailers' issue priorities are well represented and communicated effectively to policymakers. So, uh, Jason, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. No, thanks for having me. So there's so much to talk about, uh, and, and we have been talking about it over the past two months, which seems like uh, two years, really. Uh, and, you know, whether or not folks who are listening to this are actually involved in the retail industry specifically, um, I, I think this is a great discussion because we're all starting to think about what the world is going to look like and what kinds of things we need to be thinking about. Um, and so, you know, the retail industry continues to be a leader uh, in the thought process. So it was great to uh, have you be able to come on and, and give us some guidance. How are you holding up so far? I'm doing good. Uh, my dog's very happy. She's, <laughs> she's not quite sure why I'm home constantly and we're not going for walks all the time. But, um, uh, you know, it took a while for her to figure out that every day wasn't Saturday or Sunday. But other than that, things are things are good, you know. Good. As, as good as they can be. Exactly. Um, so, so it's been uh, kind of busy uh, for you and your uh, RELA colleagues, I assume. It has been a very busy period. And it's been a, you know, for a lot of industries – um, it, it's sort of black or white. You're either operating, you're not operating. Um, for retail, it it really has been both sides of the coin because you've had the folks who have been open since the beginning, largely anchored, you know, in grocery, but also in home improvement and the other areas um, that are, you know, quote unquote essential. Uh, and so those businesses have been open and have been dealing with the safety protocols and all the things that have developed over the last eight weeks to try to keep not just their employees safe, but their customers safe. Um, and then you have the other side of the coin in retail, the folks that uh, out of an abundance of caution closed their stores, um, you know, clothing, health and beauty, a lot of those areas 
Um, and they are in the process of figuring out, okay, how do we, how do we reopen? How, what does that process look like? And so the industry really has had two very distinct sets of challenges that were very different from one another. And that, and that has kept us busy because they really are, it, it really is almost like representing two different industries at the same time. Oh, no question. And, and I mean, like some other industries, but certainly retail is unique in a lot of respects. As you said, you've got essential and non-essential. You also have actual store employees versus I'll, I'll refer to them as, you know, corporate office employees that are not necessarily in the store. So you have so many challenges trying to deal with uh, the whole industry uh, as one, but really you've got various components within the industry itself. Yeah, and then you know, sort of the third category, the distribution, the supply chain part of the of the business, because um, by and large, the companies that uh, shut down their physical stores still maintained their websites, and in fact, have done fairly well, you know, relatively speaking, um, with web traffic, and have been trying to drive sales through you know the only medium they had, which was their website and their online business. And so, there's the there's the um, distribution center importance to the industry, which was very early on something that was very important, making sure that the distribution centers were seen as essential, regardless of what part of the industry they were servicing. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about um, what will hopefully be good news for so many people, and, and that is uh, getting to the reopening uh, part to try to get to some sense of normalcy from the retail industry standpoint, from your standpoint, what does reopening actually look like? Will it happen all at once? Will it happen in waves? Um, what are your folks starting to talk about? So it, it won't happen all at once it, and it will happen in sort of waves or phases. Um, I think at the outset, I, I think our goal as an industry is to move from move away from the essential non-essential construct because one of the things we have obviously learned, I think every family has probably learned over the last two months, is that what may be essential to you might not be essential to somebody else and vice versa. Um, and that there are a lot of things, a lot of products that people need that aren't that don't necessarily come top of mind, um, like milk and eggs, um, which seem rather obvious. And so we're trying to move away from essential, non-essential, and really talk about safe for everybody. Um, and I suppose one of the advantages of having the, the two different ki- two different um, scenarios that we've been addressing over the last two months is that the folks who have had their stores closed have been able to learn from the people who have been open. And that's in, in large part part of what we do at Rila. A lot of benchmarking, a lot of opportunities for strategic discussions across the industry. Um, and so the folks that have have you know, put up the the sneeze guards and have done the, you know, occupancy restrictions and the metering and have done the social distancing with tape and markers and signage, you know, they were able to communicate all those things to the folks who haven't been open. And so the 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 group of, of retailers who are preparing to reopen, you know, they've had some some time to learn and to study and figure out how this is going to work. And so we feel strongly strongly that they're well prepared. Uh, to safely reopen. And so that's sort of the direction we want to head as an industry is to get away from the essential, non-essential construct and talk about how the whole industry is really prepared to serve the community safely. And, and that for some people that will still include on, you know, shopping online and having things delivered, but for others, it will mean 
you know, getting back out into the community, getting back out and, and going into the stores again. Yeah, and so much uh, of what Rila does um, as well is is deal with the policymakers and um, the legislative front. What are retailers recommending to governors and other policymakers um, when it comes to these issues of reopening and returning to work? So we, I think, at the outset, we recognize that governors have a um, have very difficult decisions ahead of them. Um, you know, I sort of, for a while, sort of, or rather tongue-in-cheek, if you're a golfer, you understand the metaphor, talked about what the White House was doing was was the driving and what the governors were doing was the putting. You know, the, the drive for show, you putt for dough. The governors are really the ones making these close-up um, decisions that are going to impact everybody. Um, and we recognize they've got very difficult decisions ahead of them. What we've tried to say is, look, the industry has over the last eight weeks figured out what works, what protocols make the most sense. And um, we as an industry are prepared to really you know, utilize them across the board, whether you're grocery, clothing, you know, home improvement, all the things around social distancing, occupancy restrictions, uh, sanitization and hygiene, all those things we we've learned about and we're prepared to implement those things across the board. So the first thing that we've tried to communicate with governors is that we are ready to do this with you um, when you think the time is right. And so we think it, it, we think it sort of should happen in phases that to the extent, um, and this has already happened in large part in most areas of the country, although not all, our sort of recommendation for phase one that we put out roughly two weeks ago was to um, open up everybody to online curbside pickup, online fulfillment um, through the store. And our argument was essentially that, you know, restaurants have been doing that since this crisis began and have been, I think, successful in showing that it can be done safely. And so we said, look, all retailers should have the big or small should have the ability to um, provide curbside pickup uh, for online orders as a way of sort of slowly reopening the actual physical store. Phase two is probably the trickiest. It's opening the store to the public. Um, and there were a, a wide range of protocols that we recommended to all the governors uh, in our blueprint for safer shopping. I think we called it shopping safer. Um, uh, and that blueprint uh, outlined a lot of things, but the, the meat of it was um, recommending um, some degree of, of occupancy restriction, uh, recognizing that we didn't want the stores to be jam-packed, um, recommending the obvious social distancing, uh, the six feet wherever possible between customers and employees. And how do you um, handle, I mean, how do you handle on top of the challenge of creating these phases, how do you handle the, the, the reality that for many in the industry, they're operating across many state lines. And as you said, you know, what may be happening in Georgia or Texas certainly isn't happening yet in New York or California. So how are you uh, dealing with this phased approach um, when the retail operations are going to be so different state by state? So, and, and, and the even bigger challenge is what happens when local units of government decide to issue an ordinance or an, some sort of order that conflicts with their state order. Um, you know, by and large, retailers are, are comfortable 
um, with statewide orders, even if they even if they differ slightly from the state next door. Um, when we put the blueprint out, obviously the goal was to try to convince governors to to stick to a set of protocols uh, as closely as possible that would would largely homogenize um, the different recommendations and create sort of a de facto national standard. We obviously recognize that there are certain areas of the country that are still going to be more more or less a hotspot for COVID, and they may not reopen the economy as quickly. But our our sense was if we can all agree on what the protocols should be when they do reopen, then it's just a matter of deciding when the time is right. Um, so it makes the decision making and planning that much easier. The one thing that we've really urged governors um, strongly to do to the extent they have the authority is to preempt all local orders and to create one statewide set of standards. You know, I, would it be great if there was a, a nationwide playbook that everybody had to follow? It probably would. It's not the way our country was set up. Many, yeah, many, um, in many respects, many, I mean, we love to have national uh, standards and protocols for a lot of things that we don't have. Yeah, I mean, everybody is relying on the CDC and other agencies for guidance. So, I mean, there is to a degree, uh, you know, nationwide uh, protocols out there. Um, but at, at the end of the day, the governors are the ones that are issuing the orders, the, the, either the stay home or the reopen orders. So what we're trying to do is influence that process as best we can, recognize they've got tough decisions to make, but communicate to them that, look, we we feel confident that we've, over the last eight weeks, figured out how to do this and how to best keep customers and, and employees safe. And we're ready to apply that across the board. And if you're willing to work with us, these are the, these are the things that we're ready to do right out the gate. And I think, you know, that message has, has been pretty successful. I mean, the, the governors, not everything has gone according to plan, but um, a lot of the governors are relying on on the information that's being provided to them, not just by us, but by their their local state retail associations who we partner with. Um, so they are listening to retailers. They do, I think, understand that we've thought a lot about this and are are think and are prepared to reopen in a way that's safe. Because um, none of us want to be in a situation where we go backwards. You know, that's Absolutely. just not something anybody wants. Um, you know, I think the the only thing out there that is mildly controversial at the moment is the concept of face coverings, masks. Um, yeah, so should every, I mean, is that, and, and I diverted uh, our discussion a little bit uh, when I asked you the question about uh, state by state and, and different jurisdictions, you were talking about or started to talk about the protocols being developed. Phase one, this sort of curbside concept. Phase two, um, to start uh, reopening a little bit, want to finish that thought in terms sure, of sure. So, so phase two really was is the tricky one because it involves reopening the stores and implementing all of the different protocols around safe shopping. Phase three is sort of what I would sort of classify as the new normal. It, you know, it's it's the the protocols around distancing and and occupancy go away, but there will probably be a, neat, a new normal for, you know, hygiene and uh, sanitization across, I think, a lot of industries. Um, we're just going to see, we're going to see hand sanitizer everywhere for a long time. And it's just, it, it's going to be um, part of, of being out and about. Um, so I think there will be some, some things that remain, but phase three is sort of the new normal uh, without the, 
without the the occupancy and and metering uh, restrictions. And I, but I think that could be some time. I mean, depending on what expert you listen to, it, it could be a long time before there are big public gatherings again. Sure. So, and, and before I, I dive a little bit more into that new normal, are retailers actually pushing for a specific timeline um, to get to any of these phases that you've described? We're not really pushing the governors for dates. We're simply saying, look, we, we think we know how to do this safely. We're ready to work with you when you think the time is right. Um, we don't want them to hold back because they're concerned that the industry isn't ready. We want to provide them the confidence that the industry knows what to do when when they decide um, it's safe to reopen. And, and you're seeing that happening in a lot of places where the the stay home orders are are sort of slowly changing and they're they're sort of peeling back some of the restrictions. Um, you know, and I think, you know, at some point, whether it's um, two weeks from now, a month from now, I think most states will be at that sort of phase two um, where stores are open again and foot traffic is possible again. Um, but we don't really, rec- we don't recommend when that should be. And we certainly don't recommend a date for phase three, because I think there are a lot of unknowns um, in terms of when we can get to that normal. Yeah. And as I said before, I mean, just uh, there's so many variables in the retail industry. Another one certainly is for those retail stores that are part of a mall uh, as opposed to a single standalone store. You know, it's it's we're very much like tigers in a cage at the moment. Uh, and at, whenever that point comes that you open the cage, people uh, are not necessarily just going to be going out and distancing in parks. They're going to be running to malls, going to be running to stores. So there is such a challenge beyond the hand sanitizers and uh, and some of the physical interaction uh, to keep the social distancing, deal with the uh, the uh, masks and the face coverings. Um, what What's being discussed now in terms of specific social distancing challenges or face covering challenges? So it's a really good question. And, and the way you set it up, it, I think is very accurate that there are, there is a lot of pent up demand to go out and be normal again and be social again and shop again. Um, and, and nobody wants to welcome folks back into their stores and businesses more than the retail industry. We obviously want to see folks again and we want to get back to normal, but we don't want to go backwards. We don't want to um, sort of relight this fire when, when it's almost put out. And um, so, you know, most retailers um, are making the decision to require their employees to wear some form of mask or face covering. Obviously things that are medical grade should be, reserved for, you know, hospitals and, and um, first responders. But, you know, some sort of mask or face covering is, is likely going to be required in most states for employees. It gets a little dicey when you, when you talk about mandating it for customers. Um, most stores are, recommend, are strongly recommending it. Um, some governors are mandating it. Others are strongly recommending it. There's a real challenge here because, you know, at the end of the day, we don't think it should be the role of the frontline retail employee to enforce the law when somebody comes in and and isn't wearing one. We don't think it's the role of the retailer to arrest that person or fine that person. Um, That really is the role of law enforcement. And we don't want to put retail employees in a dangerous situation. And unfortunately, we saw a couple of days ago where a family dollar employee was shot confronting somebody about a mask. And uh, another employee was 
somebody uh, wiped their nose on um, on unbelievable video on an employee. Yeah, um, you know those kinds of things are really hard to see um, because you know there are a lot of folks in the retail industry that are um, you know they're out working while a lot of us are staying home and they are on the front lines to make sure we all get what we need. And so you know we we've been talking a lot about this of late and you know there does seem to be a crossover segment of folks who who are demanding that we reopen the economy and who are simultaneously suggesting that they don't need to wear a mask and that it's their right not to wear a mask and you know i think our hope is that we can change the conversation here a little bit and talk about you know it's you don't need to wear a mask out of fear but you should wear it out of respect you should wear it out of respect for yourself for your neighbors, for your community, and for the people who are running that store, who are showing up every day to make sure you get what you need. Um, you know, that mask isn't just, it's, it's less for you than it is for them and for everybody else around you. And so I hope that we can nationally have a conversation about showing respect to one another um, and not making the wearing of a mask, some sort of odd political statement, because it really shouldn't be about that. It should be about respecting people, which you would think after two months of what we've gone through, there would be a little empathy out there. You would um, think, you, but, you, would, yeah, you would think, and so much of this I think is also going to fall on the training, which will be important too, because uh, as you said, such a great point. It's really the, the, the uh, employees who are on the retail floor uh, the people at the cash register, all of the customer service people in person. Uh, and and over the years, you always hear the cliche, you know, the customer's always right, the customer's always right. But there is going to be a lot of uh, interaction. And as you said, p- potential and need to enforce some of these social distancing and, and other new normal kinds of requirements. And what can the employees on the floor say? What should they do? What should they leave to security or law enforcement? And I think so much of that's going to fall on necessary training. Yeah, training. But, you know, I think most are, are training their employees not to engage in any sort of confrontation. It's just not worth a dangerous situation. Um, and, and really, it's a community discussion about, again, about respect. But ultimately, it will be up to law enforcement to make clear to the people in their jurisdictions that these if there is if there is a mandate to wear them that people have to wear them and that in law enforcement if that's the if that's the law then law enforcement needs to um, be the one enforcing it not not your cashiers um, and so you know retailers will use signage at the front of the store to make clear what the policy is uh, and in most cases it's it's a strong recommendation although there are some Costco and others who are saying you know if you if you want to shop here um, you need to wear some sort of mask or face covering. And, you know, I think that's a, a very reasonable thing. Uh, if people want to get back to normal and you want to see stores open again and you want to, to get the economy moving again, you know, covering your nose and mouth for 30 minutes while you're inside a store is a pretty small price to pay to get things back on track. Well, then let's go beyond the uh, face coverings, which uh, I would agree probably on its face seems to be the most simple um, part of the protocol is really talking with um, retailers about temperature taking or screening of any kind, not just of employees, but of customers who are entering the stores. 
We've left the temperature screening issue up to individual employers because they've um, many of them have had different points of view on that. Um, you know, temperature checks is something that was easier, I think, at the distribution center level um, to, to do at the outset. It's probably a little harder for every single store, especially as you get smaller, uh, to be doing that. Um, and, then, and as you get to the customer level, um, you're probably talking about a, a technology solution that is sort of scanning people um, which opens up a whole other can of worms on privacy and whatnot that I just don't think is necessary right now. Um, so we've left the temperature check um, issue to individual stores, and some are taking the temp- many many are taking the temperature of employees when they show up to work. I think our recommendation was that you encourage employees before arriving at work to do sort of a self evaluation, take their own temperature. And if for some reason they've got a fever or if they wake up not feeling well to stay home, use paid leave. Um, don't, don't come into work and risk your own health and the health of folks around you. So what are you finding that uh, is keeping retailers up at night uh, thinking about so much of the unknown, what's going to be happening in the next two, three, four months? What, what's keeping retailers up at night? Do you think? Well, I think it's the, the, I think they've done a very good job of managing um, everything that's come at them over the last two months. I think the challenge is going to be how lo- how long does this the phase two last? How long does the social distancing and the metering last? And and what kind of you know economic you know pothole do we find ourselves in? Is it is it that V shaped recovery that a lot of people at the beginning of this were talking about? Or is it a longer, um, you know, more drawn out economic downturn that requires quite a bit more time to get out of? Um, you know, nobody knows the answer to that question right now. There's a lot of guessing. Um, but when there's an all clear, um, you know, there are going to be a lot of, um, there'll, there'll be a moment where we know whether all the restaurants open back up again or they don't. And, and whether all the stores that shut down open back up again or they don't. Um, and, and hotel, I mean, it's hard to understand the impact on the hospitality industry and how does that ripple across the whole economy? Obviously we're all, we're all connected. So when one segment of the, you know, we saw what happened in 2008, 2009, when the financial industry got sick, the rest of us all got pneumonia. Um, you know, there are going to be segments of the economy that are probably going to come back slower than others and do the, you know, that's that's obviously going to impact retail because it's it's ultimately we are uh, dependent on a strong consumer and so the more people who are sort of the the duh you know the more people that are working the better it is for us because people have disposable income and can and can go out shopping for um, for whatever it is they need and so I think understanding the depth of the economic crisis and how quickly we come out it is the biggest unknown and the biggest challenge. Um, that everyone's yeah, the economics are, are so significant, as is the psychology of all of this. Um, you know, who knows, uh, as you said, what the uh, the consumer preferences are going to be moving forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the things that that I find fascinating is people were talking before this whole COVID nineteen situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
took place, um, they, they were talking in the retail industry in particular how things seem to be trending toward more online shopping. And you mentioned uh, online shopping uh, at the beginning of this discussion. I'm wondering when we resurface and we talk about the new normal for retail, do you think this is going to push more people toward online shopping or is it going to push people in the other direction and say, you know what, I've been dealing with this online shopping in the quarantine. I'm done with that. I need to get out and, and let's start getting into the stores. What, what do you think the impact will be on that? That's a great question. And I've been talking with people about this sort of, and I phrase it the exact same way. Do you think some people will say, you know, to hell with sitting at home behind my computer and shopping, I want to get back out and have a drink and try on a dress and, and yeah, yeah. friends and do these things that I've been prohibited from doing um, for the past, you know, two, two, three months. Um, you know, I do think that in terms of the, the, the business side of online shopping, that a lot of change that probably would have occurred over several years happened over several weeks um, and trends, um, that in trends like uh, curbside pickup that were already becoming somewhat popular in the grocery space, I think exploded into, you know, Best Buy was doing curbside pickup um, and others as they reopen are starting with curbside pickup. And so I think there are um, certain trends that maybe would have started more slowly that have now become universal across the industry. And so you might see that, growth continue. Um, but time will tell whether the folks that have, you know, discovered the need, you know, the need to, to shop online, whether it, it becomes a habit or as you put it, they, they sort of shake off the cobwebs and want to get out and about and, and, and be quote unquote normal again. And Could however be- long that lasts, I mean, however long that lasts, we may also just see a temporary desire to, to get out. And then, you know, once the real new normal becomes the old normal, people then uh, will tend to go back to how they were shopping before all of this. Yeah. And, and I mean, there are a lot of things in society that that are sort of wait and see, you know, when's the next time you're going to be able to go to a baseball game or college football game or any, you know, a concert. Um, there are a lot of question marks right now um, around, especially around things with big crowd sizes where we tend to be jam packed together. Um, and, you know, those questions won't answer themselves for a little while, I think. Um, but as it, as it relates to retail, obviously, the more people are out and about, the more foot traffic there is, you know, that tends to be, that tends to lift all boats. Yeah. And from an economic standpoint, this has had to have a significant impact on the retail supply chain as well, I assume. It has. I mean, I think the the supply chain has been remarkably resilient. You're obviously seeing now some challenges around um, the meat processing, um, but that has more to do with the fact that there were some COVID outbreaks, um, you know, actually among workers. Um, It didn't have to do with the supply chain itself, but, um, you know, I think that will, that will recover in, in due time. Um, you know, the only thing that was, I think, jarring for folks at the beginning was the fact that everybody bought 12 months worth of toilet paper in a week. And, you know, no, 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 no product is meant to, or was, you know, prepared to sell out, you know, six months of inventory in two weeks. And so there obviously have been some lags around production 
because there just there wasn't uh, nobody was anticipating um, the the surge in demand for certain things like paper products and cleaning products and things like that. But you're slowly starting to see um, those products catch up and 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 return to the shelves, and that'll that'll take some time. But but by and large, the supply chain has been pretty resilient. You know, you go to the grocery store, maybe out of a few things here and there, but you know, you can still get what you need. Um, nobody's gone without. So, well, fortunately or unfortunately, um, the supermarkets here have had no problem keeping Oreos on the shelf during the <laughs> quarantine. So, uh, it's, it's been a problem of mine. Paper towels, maybe a little bit, but the Oreos have been flowing. Well, someone said to me, you know, do you think people are going to are really going to be rushing out to buy new pants when this is over? And I was like, well, I probably will be, but not because I'm excited to shop again, but because I probably am not going to fit into anything. Yeah, it's, over. It's, it's either the, uh, the the retail stores selling clothes or hopefully the tailors out there will uh, be deemed essential, at least in the early phases. Something yeah. will be needed. I'm not sure if there's a, if there's a uh, material index that tracks... Um, Elastic, but I would invest in elastic because I've <laughs> <laughs> gotten used to wearing our like stretchy pants and things that are comfy. And uh, and that is the employment law now tip of the day, and that is your takeaway: go invest in elastic. I love it. Yes. Um, so Jason Brewer, the executive vice president of communications and state affairs for RELA, the Retail Industry Leaders Association. Uh, does RELA have uh, any particular site for resources uh, for those in the retail industry uh, to uh, take a look at? Yep, it's real simple. It's RELA.org, R-I-L-A.org. Um, we've got a, a specific page dedicated to COVID-19 and a ton of different resources, things that we're tracking at the state level. Um, the blueprint that I've mentioned a couple of times on safe shopping, all the different protocols that we've recommended to governors, um, quite a lot there. And, um, and, and if folks ever have any questions, they can obviously shoot any of us an email and we're happy to engage. Well, as long as you offer, do you want to put your email address out there? <laughs> sure. It's, you can find it, but it's jason.brewer at rila.org. Excellent. And that I hope I didn't too much inundate your inbox as a result of this. Um, but Jason, really appreciate you jumping on. I know things are incredibly busy on your end, but this has been tremendously helpful and insightful. And as we continue to advance through what will hopefully be the phases that you've described in the coming months, hopefully you can come back on and uh, see where things are continuing to develop. Happy to do it. Look, looking forward to discussing the new normal. Let's hope we get there sooner rather than later. I second that emotion. Thank you so much, Jason. Thanks, Mike. I hope you found that informative, whether you are directly involved with the retail industry or you're in some other industry uh, as well. We're going to continue to do some deep dives into all issues that are of concern to you and your organizations. Hopefully you find this helpful. Until the next time, I hope all of your labor is productive.